Hello, City Church. This is City Church Together for Friday, February 18th. Today, we're going to be at Hear Journal in our daily reading, doing another mashup. Today, we're going to do Exodus chapter 1. You finally made it through Genesis. Congratulations. Exodus chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4. So I'm going to read um, a portion of each one starting in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. It says, The king of Egypt said to, Hebrew, said to the Hebrew midwives, the first whose name was Shifra and the second whose name was Puah, When you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, she may live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh then commanded all his people, You must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the, Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. And that is the word of the Lord from Exodus chapter 1, and now I'm going to go over to Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdom of the world, and in a moment of time, the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority, because it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours." And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. And that is the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 4. Now, I'm going to do a mashup here because that's part of what we're practicing as we do here journals where we're reading four different passages at a time. And so if I were reading one at a time, there's going to be something that I see and that comes out um, in the context of the book that I'm reading. But often when you read multiple passages at a time in different genres and different places in the Bible, you, there's something else to see. It doesn't mean that a, a scripture, you know, means one thing over here and another over there. It just gives, there's, there's layers and depth to the bigger story that's happening. And so that's what I want to bring out when I do this. And in particular, what we find in Exodus is sort of a, the, um, emergence of a new character representing evil that we um, that we met early in Genesis and that we also find in Luke chapter 4. So, uh, in, of course, in Genesis chapter 3, you have the emergence of a serpent who is this first kind of evil character bringing temptation. In Exodus chapter 1, you also have the Pharaoh, uh, the king of Egypt, who represents a sort of embodiment of evil. Um, even uh, when you read the Hebrew here and you're looking at uh, the, the word that uh, means evil, ra, um, in Pharaoh, 
um, indicates this uh, sort of satanic character. Um, so you're getting that again in Exodus as it sort of kind of restarts um, what happens in Genesis. You have this idea of being fruitful and multiplying with the Hebrews here. And then in Luke chapter 4, of course, we get the Satan himself, the adversary, the devil, um, that meets Jesus in his wilderness fasting time. And if you're fasting with us, um, then uh, there's, there's a way that you can certainly identify with Jesus's hunger in this passage, even in the short amount of time that we're fasting just one day on, on Thursday, City Church. So um, take a look at, and it, the, the other thing to remember is that Israel is called, um, in the Old Testament, is called God's son. So collectively, Israel is known as God's son. And of course, here, the pronouncement has just been made in the previous chapter in Jesus' baptism that uh, Jesus is God's son. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And then the temptation has to do all with the son of God. Additionally, when you go back to Exodus chapter 1, the temptation for the Hebrew midwives is to commit evil in the name of the powerful evil one, the Pharaoh, by killing sons. And that is exactly what Satan is trying to do in Luke chapter 4. He is seeking to tempt Jesus to go off his mission and sort of abort, if you'll allow the wordplay there, um, abort his mission um, to go off script to minister to his own needs and to seek to sustain himself. What you have in both Exodus chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 4 is that the central good characters, um, so Jesus in Luke chapter 4 and these two Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1, they oppose this um, sort of overarching evil force that come against them and tempt them to do evil. Now, the evil in Exodus is a little bit more overt in terms of, um, hey, we, we want you to commit murder. We want you to kill these babies. And in Luke chapter 4, it's a little more covert. Aren't you hungry? Uh, you should just... Um, uh, you should just turn these stones of bread or look at this scripture. Um, of course, the characters in Exodus are um, human characters. Pharaoh, though he represents the embodiment of evil here, is a human. Likewise, um, the Hebrew midwives, um, Shipra and Pua, um, which sounds kind of like something from the scent of, the wo- scent of a woman, uh, Al Pacino, I've never seen it, so if it's a horrible movie, don't get on me about it. I just know, you know, I think he says hua in there, uh, or perhaps a marine. Anyway, these two Hebrew midwives are humans, and then in Luke chapter 4, we have two, um, well, Jesus is a human, but he is also divine. So um, we have uh, Satan, who represents, of course, the Satan, the adversary, a fallen angel, and then you have Jesus, who is fully human, yet also fully divine. And so it, what you have in Luke chapter 4 is, is a kind of zoom-out cosmic version, and you see some of Exodus chapter 1 pointing to um, what is happening in Luke chapter 4. Additionally, at the end of both of these chapters, um, and it comes, out more in, uh, it comes out more in Matthew's version of this temptation in Matthew chapter 4, um, once the temptation... Um, uh, once the temptation has been resisted, once the temptation by the evil one has been resisted, um, then ministry comes to Jesus in Luke chapter 4, and you get 
um, you get it really explicitly in Matthew chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, you get that um, that the devil finishes the temptation and departs for, from him for a time. So there's a sense of relief, the resistance of evil, and then relief. And in Exodus chapter 1, you get what we have in verse 20. God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Um, additionally, you have um, following this chapter, you have the start of the multiplication of Jesus' ministry. So Jesus goes, um, if you'll allow me, Jesus is the only member of the church. You know, the, uh, it's a bit of an anachronism there as the church doesn't start till later. But um, Jesus is the only member of the church, and then he goes and he multiplies his family. In the next chapter, we get um, disciples. So that is the explanation, at least in um, comparing Luke uh, chapter 4 to Exodus chapter 1. So now let's apply that. What can we take from this as we look at this overarching view of Scripture and this sort of reproduction of Genesis and Exodus and then again in Luke chapter 4? Um, well, multiple things, one of which is to expect temptation from the evil one. Um, this has been going on for a long time. Um, not only that, it is uh, evil in uh in powerful places. So you have a Pharaoh who's the, I mean, think how hard it is to resist Pharaoh. Yeah, sure. You might think he's a bad guy, but look at all the power and influence he has. Look at the promise that Pharaoh has to these midwives to um, provide them with everything they could ever want or need. And again, you get that, you get that from Satan in, uh, in Luke chapter four. That's one of his temptations. I'll give you everything you ever wanted or needed, Jesus. I'll give it to you. Or you give it to yourself, stone becoming bread. Why wait? Why put it off? So you are going to encounter evil that comes from a powerful position. This is a pattern in scripture. And the promise that comes from evil in that powerful position is that um, what you need, I can give you. Do what I say, and I'll give you what you need. Instead, you have Jesus relying on the word of his father and the pronouncement of his father as a son, and you have the, the Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 2, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 1, relying on the reputation of this God of Israel, no doubt words that were passed down to them from um, as they hung around the, the Israelite people, um, learning about this God that had come from Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and thinking about hearing stories about Joseph and um, the way he forgave his brothers and something attractive there that would bring these midwives to, um, to appreciate and, in fact, then um, misdirect Pharaoh. Um, I've, I've done a podcast before, I think, uh, Q and a on the line bit here. So I'm not going to cover that here as that's a question people also, you know, often have with this is why did they lie? And well, I think, you know, why they lied, why was God okay with it? Um, so you can look in the archives for that, or we'll have another Q and a, and you can Q, you can always Q and a, or you can always Q and I'll try to a, or if you want to a, you, we could do it like Jeopardy, you a, and I'll, I guess, try to guess the Q, um, way off now. So the application is evil is going to come against um, those who are walking in the way. And often that will come from powerful position that make big promises to give you everything you need. Just capitulate, just bow down, just do what I say. Sure, it might not feel right to you, but think of all that you could have. And that gets us off mission and 
notice it stops multiplication. In Jesus' case, there's no disciples to follow. There's no church to build. Um, and of course, there's no world to die for. So it stops the multiplication. And then in Exodus, it stops the multiplication of God's son, Israel. Um, and remember, at City Church, like we are here to multiply, to be fruitful and multiply. If you remember the blessing from this past Sunday, be fruitful and multiply. And it's what Jesus commands us to do. Go and make disciples. And so evil from powerful positions makes big promises to try to get us off that mission. And we need to stay focused on it. We need to stay close to Jesus. We need to stay close to his word so that we can recognize it when it comes at us. So now let's pray and spend a moment of silence before we respond to God in this. Heavenly Father, I think ahead to the ministry that you're going to give to so many people as they resist the temptation of evil. I look ahead to the way the angels ministered to Jesus and the way that you blessed these Hebrew midwives um, out of their resistance of Pharaoh. I'm thankful that you use, you know, Jesus hungry in the desert at his weakest point. And these midwives, you know, just just women, uh, small women in this huge kingdom. And yet you subverted the evil that was coming at them just by their faith in you just by their, you know, with Jesus, his faith in the message that he heard from you. You are my son with whom I'm well pleased. So Father, help us to hear that message loud and clear. Help us to pronounce it into each other's life and the way that we bless one another as sons and daughters, reminding each other that we are your sons and daughters. And then Father, we ask that you would multiply us through our resistance of evil and our trained eye on not only the truth, but on the beauty of the gospel as we share it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. City Church, go and multiply the gospel.